Well, welcome to the Debt Matters Podcast, where we help Canadians find solutions to their debt with licensed insolvency trustees from across Canada. I'm Wayne Kay, and in today's show, we're going to be talking with Jillian Taylor Mancusi from LC Taylor Licensed Insolvency Trustee in Winnipeg. They also have an office in Kenora. And by the end of the show, we're going to talk about the most important bankruptcy questions. The questions that get asked often and the questions you should be asking. Jillian, thanks for being here today. Hi, Wayne. How are you? Doing terrific. How are you doing? I'm great. Good. You get uh, every day you're dealing with uh, bankruptcies. uh, You're dealing with uh, debt questions and problems. And I'm sure a lot of it sounds the same, but each situation is a little bit different. Today, can we talk about some of the common questions that people ask when it comes to bankruptcy? Definitely. All right. Let's talk about these. Some of the five top questions that you get asked are? Well, the first one is, how can I avoid bankruptcy? That's a very common question. Mm -hmm. But instead of asking, how can you avoid bankruptcy? It should be, how can I deal with my debt situation? How can I deal with my debt problems? Right. Because the word bankruptcy scares everybody. Right. Exactly. And sometimes a bankruptcy is the best solution to your problems. There are other options like consumer proposals and budgeting. But sometimes bankruptcy is the best option for you. Why do we have such a negative feeling to the word bankruptcy? I think that the negative connotations associated with the word bankruptcy come from decades ago when nobody filed for bankruptcy, when consumer credit wasn't something that people dealt with. Um, back in you know the day of your grandfather or your great-grandfather, they wouldn't go and finance a vehicle. Uh, they, they would pay cash for it or they wouldn't charge going to movie and a dinner on your credit card because they would pay cash for it. So society is very different than it was many decades ago, but some of those negative connotations still stick with certain words. Right. And bankruptcy is one of them. Absolutely. Okay. So instead of asking about uh, bankruptcy, ask about how to solve the debt problem. What's the next question that you hear? The next one is, will I lose my house or my car? Now, instead of asking that question, the question should be, can I afford my house or my car? Because you're trying to figure out a way to get out of your debt situation. And maybe your house or your car is what's keeping you under under the thumb, if you will. Because if you look at something like a vehicle, for example, they can be very expensive. You take your vehicle payment itself, you take your auto insurance, You take your gas price, which we all know is (laughs) more than your car payment these days, um, as well as maintenance, car, you know, in Winnipeg, we have to change our tires and you have to get your oil changed. You put all that together and that can be a lot of strain on a cash flow, uh, particularly if you're going on a a monthly cash flow situation. Mm -hmm. And of course you add that in, you know, you have got two vehicles and it's unbelievable what the price of vehicles are these days. Right, exactly. So instead of saying, will I lose it? Maybe you can't afford it and it should be a good time to give it up. Mm -hmm. Okay, but what about your house? Same situation with a house. Um, Yes, everybody needs a place to live, um, but maybe renting is more affordable for you in your current situation. Mm -hmm. Or maybe downsizing to a smaller house that's less expensive or that the upkeep is less expensive. Because if you're in a house that has all the normal housing costs, the insurance, the cost of 
maintenance, the hydro, the water, everything that goes is associated with a house. Maybe you can't afford the house that you have. Mm-hmm. And you got to have insurance because I can hear in the background sirens. Right, exactly. You don't want your house burning down. No. Oh my <laughs> so goodness. you need the insurance on your house. I know, and it's uh, it's super expensive. So when someone comes into to you and chats about, you know, they're in a situation, uh, cash flow is non-existent, you look at all of these possibilities, and then you say, do, do you find maybe some ideas on where they can change that? Is it the house? Is it the car? Is it, what is it? Oh, the, definitely. The credit cards, Yeah. Because what we'll do when we're meeting with somebody is we're going to go through not only who they owe money to and how much, but how much income they have coming in from any sources, whether it's a regular income or disability or social assistance or whatever the case may be. But we're also going to look at what their expenses are. Mm -hmm. So everything from, you know, do they have to pay child support or maintenance or alimony? Uh, They have medical costs. Are they self-employed and they're not really taking what their net income is when they're coming in to talk to us because they haven't taken off all those employment related expenses. Mm. But we also want to look at how much is their rent or their mortgage? How much are their utilities? Same thing with a car. We're going to sit down. We're going to look at how much each of those things cost and see if there's any way that we can budget them out of a situation, for example, or if cash flow is just really tight and they're looking at something like a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. Is there anywhere that we can suggest that maybe they can cut some of their expenses? Um, in a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, there's also two mandatory financial counseling sessions. Um, in one of our sessions, we talk about how much different things should cost on average. So how much you should be setting aside for things like savings and insurance, how much you should be putting aside towards your house payment. Um, you don't want to be house poor as the, the, they call it out there. Right. Um, so those are all things that we're going to look at to try and get you back on track. Okay, perfect. And then what's the next thing they worry about? Their credit rating. Will their credit rating be damaged? I thought that was going to be it because as you were going through, <laughs> I was thinking, I'll bet you they're probably worried about the credit rating, but you're in a bad credit situation anyway. So why are they worried about that? What would be the proper question? The proper question should be, don't ask about your credit rating for that reason exactly. You have a bad credit rating already. There are steps that you can take to improve your credit, but a credit rating is only really important when you want credit. So if you're a person, for example, who's found themselves in financial difficulty because of a credit card spending problem, well, you shouldn't have any credit cards. You should pay cash or pay with your debit card for things. And then it really doesn't matter what your credit rating says if you're going to be paying cash for these things. Very good point. We worry about what everybody else thinks. And that's probably where that bankruptcy negative, uh, really negative feeling towards the word is that, oh my goodness, everybody's going to know that I've had to declare bankruptcy. Right, exactly. It is. People are very concerned about what others think. And and you know that the saying of keeping up with the Joneses. Right. Well, what do the Joneses have? Well, Will my credit rating be affected? Well, maybe your credit rating should be affected so that you're not obtaining too much credit. Right, exactly. And it's very easy. I mean, everybody wants to give you credit and all of a sudden you have three or four cards. And if you use this card at that's this one store, you end up getting you know these extra points. Uh, but all of a sudden it just creeps up and up and up because something happens in life that knocks you off your feet and suddenly you've got that in three or four different credit cards. And as you have talked about all the other things, piling up. Oh my goodness. 
So we can't worry too much about the actual credit rating. As you said, nobody knows what anybody credit anybody's credit rating is. No, exactly. Yeah, no, no clue. <laughs> I didn't even know what mine was until I think uh, maybe last time you were on, we talked about credit <laughs> ratings and I went and checked, but I had no idea. Yeah, like on that note, it is important to know what your credit rating says. So every once in a while, you might want to just give it a check or get a report because in case you're the victim of fraud or identity theft, you want to make sure that there's nothing on your credit rating that isn't you. Right. Um, but other than that, credit rating is only important when you want to obtain credit. Okay. All right. So that's another one. What's the next uh, question that people ask? Will my bankruptcy or my consumer proposal affect my spouse? Well, isn't that a great question? That is a really good question. And there's another way of looking at that, in my opinion. So no, it won't necessarily affect your spouse, but you can make it affect your spouse. And I think in a good way. So for example, in a bankruptcy, every month you have to fill out an income and expense report. And what that income and expense report says is how much money is coming in and everywhere you're spending it. And you submit that to the trustee every month. Um, we're looking at it for different reasons. We want to know what your income is to make sure you're making the right payments. And we want to make sure that, you know, you're not drinking or gambling away all your money because we don't want a, an addiction problem. And we want to make sure that if you do, that we get it dealt with. But why I think it's important to include your spouse in that is because that's really going to give you an idea on where your family money is going and where your family expenses are going. Mm -hmm. Because the first step in budgeting is knowing where your money is going. So if you can get, you know, two, three, four monthly income expense statements put together as a family, then you can really start to budget. And when you start to budget your money, well, your money is going to go a long way. And you're going to see where you're spending your money. And your spouse is going to see where you're spending your money. And you know what? You can even get your kids involved um, in keeping track of where they're spending money because that's a really good tool that they don't teach in school. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. And I don't know why they don't because so many people get into financial trouble and just don't know what to do with money. Yeah, exactly. Um, actually, it's a funny little story. My my daughter filed her income tax this year and she's just become an adult and she owes. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, why didn't they teach me in school about this? <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of things they don't teach in school that are really important life skills. Well, and that's one of the things. Most people are living paycheck to paycheck. They've done studies right across the country, and it is unbelievable how close people are to having a major financial disaster. And all of a sudden, something like that does come up. Maybe you're self-employed for a little bit, especially with what we've gone through for the last couple of years. And then you find yep. out you owe, maybe you owe money back to the government. Maybe you took a couple of CERB payments. Uh, maybe uh, you didn't do the right tax forms. And suddenly you have to pay back $2,000. That can throw a lot of people off track. Right, exactly. Because they're, they haven't budgeted for that amount. No. So exactly, that's where I kind of go back to where I think it's really important to know where your money is going. Um, know if there's somewhere that you can trim a little bit if you have an unexpected expense. Or maybe you've been putting money aside, you know, two to 5% of your income should go towards your savings. Um, so you have a rainy day fund mm -hmm. for something like your income tax or your hot water tank going, or in Winnipeg, we have very bad potholes right now. You knock the wheel alignment out of your car. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, absolutely. That stuff does happen. So when I have a com consumer proposal bankruptcy, so you're married, 
does it affect it? The question is, does it affect my spouse? But does it is it individual or is it per couple? What are you dealing you can, with? Um, most of the time, it's individual. You can file jointly, um, and it really depends on the kinds of debts that you have and whether or not they're similar. Mm. Can you explain more to me about that? Because I would think that a family debt problem is a family problem, not a individual problem. Right. So when you're just looking at the debts, when somebody, a couple comes in, um, not all debts are the same just because you're together. So for example, I, uh, you know, Mary might have a visa card where John has a MasterCard, and then they're joint on a line of credit. So Mary doesn't necessarily have to file a bankruptcy or consumer proposal, depending on her situation. Mm. Maybe she's fine with paying her, her, her visa card and her line of credit, but John's MasterCard um, is far greater than he's able to pay. Plus maybe he has a tax debt on top of that and a vehicle loan, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So he has a far more substantial debt load than Mary does. So perhaps John should be filing the bankruptcy or the consumer proposal where Mary may not be in that same situation. Interesting. Okay. That's good to know. I'm learning as we go. That's what the beauty of this show is. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Any final wisdom regarding that topic? And then, you know, it really depends on your relationship with your spouse. Some people just don't share that information. Some people have separate bank accounts. Maybe your spouse doesn't need to know. That's between you and them. (laughs) Really? Okay. Very interesting. Uh, And a final one, because we're doing the five important bankruptcy questions, the ones that you get asked the most often. And that one is? Will my employer find out that I've gone bankrupt? Now, Bankruptcy is public record. So if somebody wanted to go onto the government website and I think it's $8, they can pay and they can search your name to find out whether or not you've gone bankrupt. But most people aren't gonna do that. Most people don't really care that much if you filed for bankruptcy or not, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. But one of the issues when an employer could find out that you've gone bankrupt is if you have a garnishment order. So what that means is you owe somebody money, they go to court and they get a judgment against you. Now, once they get that judgment against you, they can go back to court and get something called a garnishment order. And with a garnishment order, they can garnish 30% of your gross wages. Now, once they get that order, they serve it on your employer and your employer has to then deduct it from your wages and send it directly to them, well, through the court and then to them. Now, if you file something like a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, there's something called a stay of proceedings that goes into place. And what that means is that nobody can sue you, garnish your wages, or take any of their collection practices against you. So if you have that garnishment order against you, then, and you file for bankruptcy or consumer proposal, your trustee is going to let your employer know because they want to stop that garnishment. So in those cases, yes, your employer is going to know. But if you have a garnishment against you, you should be asking, can you inform my employer so that you can get that garnishment stopped? Oh, okay. That's the proper way of doing this. Right. And once again, a lot of uh, worry and stress about what everybody's thinking. But yeah, when you're in the office, I guess that's uh, pretty important. So when they do that 30% and they garnish that wage, is there a way to stop that or no? There's only a couple of ways of stopping a garnishment. The first is to let the garnishment continue and you end up paying it out in full. Okay. Or you talk to a trustee and you file a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal so that you can get that stay of proceedings and that will stop the garnishment. 
Okay. Perfect. Well, that's good to know. This is very interesting on the questions that you do get asked and versus the uh, questions they should be asking. They're very similar, but yet so different. Right. It's just one little word can change the, the whole connotation of the sentence. Absolutely. And it seems more of this stress about what everybody else thinks, as we just mentioned, versus how do you solve the problem? Right, exactly. Right, because it's a major problem and it's happening. And, and I don't know, you probably heard, but I think they're saying that uh, bankruptcies will probably be increasing as we've been seeing uh, the interest rates rising and all that's going on. We may have more financial problems to come. No, I agree. There's a, a lot going on um, in our post-COVID world, if you will. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show and explaining all this information. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Always a pleasure. That's Jillian Taylor Mancusi. You can learn more. You can schedule a free consultation with L.C. Taylor Licensed Insolvency Trustee by going to www.lctaylor.com. And that's it for today's Debt Matters podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And of course, for more information, you can always check out our site at debtmatters.ca. Thanks for listening. 